title of my message tonight is Complete in Christ. You'll find my text in Colossians chapter 2 and verse 10. Complete in Christ. Colossians 2 verse 10. Our Savior declared, Blessed are they that mourn. Blessed are they that mourn. If you know what it is to mourn your sin because you have seen the Redeemer, you are born of God. Blessed are they that mourn. If you can in your heart verify that statement, you are indeed blessed of God. Multitudes know nothing about the blessedness of that grace of God which causes the sinner who, looking upon Christ crucified, to mourn over his sins, to mourn for him whom he has pierced. Blessed are they that mourn. Our Savior did not say, as many seem to think, blessed are they that mourn and mourn and mourn, and mourn, and mourn. I can't tell you how often I meet with folks who are taught constantly to look within themselves, constantly to search out their hearts, constantly to look for good in themselves, who are always oppressed because they try to be honest before God. The Savior does not count mourning blessedness. He said, blessed are they that mourn, for they shall be comforted. They shall be comforted. If you mourn for your sin, because you have seen Jesus Christ crucified, you mourn with a mourning that is soon turned to comfort, and comfort that is soon turned to joy. By all means, we ought to lament and mourn for what we are. The evil that's in us, the unbelief, the vileness, we know we are by nature. The base corruption of our heart is reason to mourn continually. In my flesh dwelleth no good thing. And that's painful. And it ought to be painful. We ought to always lament what we are in ourselves. But the knowledge of what we are in ourselves should never eclipse the blessed revelation of God's grace and our salvation in Christ Jesus the Lord. Blessed are they that mourn, for they shall be comforted. Our great God by the mighty operations of His saving grace, by redemption, by regeneration, has given us salvation in Christ, such salvation that He causes joy and gladness and cheerful feasting to replace mourning. For you are complete in Him. Complete in Him. If I have read this book correctly, and in this regard I know I have, 
It is the intent of our God. It is the intent of our God in everything revealed in Holy Scripture to comfort His people, to encourage His people to believe Him, to promote in us that blessed joy of faith in Christ Jesus. His word is rejoice. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. because Rejoice because your names are written in heaven. Rejoice in hope of glory, the glory of God. Rejoice evermore. Let us be glad and rejoice and give honor to God our Savior. That's the intent of our God. In fact, if we would walk worthy of the vocation wherewith we are called, if we would walk worthy of the Lord unto all pleasing, if we would indeed honor our God, we ought to walk continually before him in the blessed joy of faith, in the assurance of life eternal in Christ Jesus. God the Holy Spirit tells us that we should live in this world giving thanks unto the Father, which hath made us meet to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in light, who hath delivered us from the power of darkness, and hath translated us into the kingdom of his dear Son, in whom we have redemption through his blood, even the forgiveness of sins. When we realize the glorious kingdom in which we live, the great king we serve, when we think about the privileges of grace that are ours in Christ Jesus, the the boundless love of God our Father to us, the free grace of God in Christ Jesus, the work of God the Holy Spirit in us, in his blessed work as our comforter. We have every reason to rejoice in the Lord. The book of God does not teach us to be naval watchers looking at ourselves. The book of God teaches us to be Christ watchers, ever looking out of ourselves. The life of faith is not a life of introspection. The life of faith looks out of self to Christ Jesus the Lord. We have Christ who is the anchor of our souls, sure and steadfast. And our anchor is not in us. Our anchor is in glory. We look out of ourselves to Christ Jesus the Lord, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, looking for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ unto eternal life. I'll give you something you can work on when you get home. Salvation is looking to Christ. Looking to Christ. Salvation is looking to Christ. You who preach or teach, there's a good outline for you. It begins in a look. The Savior says, look unto me and be ye saved to all the ends of the earth. And it continues in a look. We are to run with patience the race set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. And it ends in a look. When we see him, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. Salvation, then, is looking out of self to Christ. Not looking inwardly, but looking outwardly. Not looking to ourselves, but looking to our Redeemer. Our whole trouble comes as believers when we start looking in ourselves for something to give us comfort and hope and assurance. We look 
out of ourselves for all comfort and hope and assurance. It is my purpose in preaching this message to encourage you who do not know our Redeemer to trust Christ. I, I want by the grace of God to allure you to my Redeemer. I want to allure you to the Savior. To urge you to believe on the Son of God. And it is my purpose in preaching this message to give you who are God's people confident joy, thanksgiving and praise, adoration to God our Father for His great mercy and grace that is ours in Christ Jesus. Reminding you of that which God has given us and made us in Christ. I hope you go home tonight rejoicing full of thanksgiving with renewed devotion and commitment to Him. I can think of no better way to accomplish these desires than by reminding you of five glorious, wonderful words here in Colossians 2 and verse 10. I've tried numerous times to preach from these five words. May God the Holy Spirit help me to do so now. Ye are complete in him. <clears throat> what a statement. Now there's no middle ground. Either you are complete in Christ, lacking nothing, or you're altogether without hope before God. We are either men and women who possess everything God requires of man, everything God gives to man, everything that Christ is and everything that Christ has, or we're all together without hope before God and have nothing. Either you have all or you have nothing. Either you have all grace or no grace. All spiritual blessings or no spiritual blessings. All the benefits of salvation or none of the benefits of salvation. Ye are complete in him. Oh, what a statement. Sweeter than honey and the honeycomb to my soul. Oh, may God make it so to you. If you believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, though utter emptiness in yourself, you are complete in him. If right now, sitting where you are, God opens the windows of heaven, and pours out his grace in your soul. Right now, you are complete in him. <laughs> this is not something you have to wait for. You are complete in him. Weak, poor, helpless, unworthy, though you are in yourself. In him, Christ the Lord, your Redeemer, your Savior, you're complete in the fullness of Christ complete in the broadest, complete in the most varied sense possible, that word complete can be understood. When God pardons, there's no probation period. When God saves, there's no uh, uh, probation period you've got to uh, work out for yourself. No. What a wonder of grace we had before us. God, make us to know what this grace is in sweet experience this hour. Ye are complete in him. The Spirit of God 
seems to have but one object in view in giving us that sweet statement. His purpose is to cause every believing soul to live in the joy of faith. What a wondrous God we have. He commands us, James, to rejoice. (laughs) He commands us to be joyful. He gives us His Word that our joy may be full. I'm not talking about giddy pretense. I'm not talking about uh, walking around a a fake smile on your face and every time somebody says something to you, you say, bless the Lord or I'm blessed. I despise that stuff. I'm talking about real joy. Deep joy. Joy that can't be taken away. Joy that endures hardship. Joy that bears pain. Joy in the midst of bitter tears. Joy in the Lord. The blessed joy of faith. Now let's look at these five words. Ye. Ye. You who believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. All of you. Each of you. Only you. But you. You are complete in Him. You who were dead in trespasses and in sins are complete in Him. You who in time past walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, are complete in Him. You who were by nature children of wrath, even as others, are complete in Him. You who were without Christ, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers from the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world, you are complete in Him. You who labor and toil, vex and perplex your hearts continually because of the indwelling sin that's in you, you are complete in Him. You who are groaning under a conscious sense of the body of sin that dwells in you continually. You are complete in Him. You you who are loved and chosen of God, redeemed by the blood of Christ, born again by God the Holy Spirit, sanctified and justified in Him. You who have the righteousness of God made yours. You who are forgiven of all sin. You are complete in Him. Now, look at the next word. Are. Are. I love that. (laughs) That's right now. Are. Right now. Presently. You are complete in Him. The Scriptures plainly declare that God's elect have been complete in Christ from eternity. Romans 8 and Ephesians 1 plainly declare that. Our completeness in Christ is a completeness we've had with Him, in Him, for as long as we have been in Him. And our being in Christ is an eternal thing. It is a blessed thing to live in the sweet prospect of that completeness that awaits us in glory. When we see Him, we shall be like Him, for we shall see Him as He is. Complete. Complete. Oh, 
Oh, how sweet the prospect. But this is in the present tense. The Apostle Paul writes by divine inspiration, and he says, you are right now, at this moment, complete in Christ. You will not be more complete when you drop this body of flesh. You will not be more complete when you sin no more. You will not be more complete when you cease to mourn for what you are. You will not be more complete when you have to constantly, when you no longer have to constantly do battle with the lust of your flesh that are in you and with the world and with all that's around you. We are right now complete in Christ. Paul is telling us that which is the present blessedness of every sinner who believes on the Son of God. Everything here is grace. Pure, free, unconditional, unqualified grace. Ye are complete in Him. God is not exhorting us here by His Spirit to be complete or to do something to make ourselves complete. No, He declares to us, He affirms emphatically that we are right now complete in Christ. The work is finished, and there's nothing that can be added to it and nothing that can be taken from it. This is completion. This is completion. You you can't add anything to it, and you can't take anything from it. Don't, Don't imagine that's the case. There's nothing lacking. There's no deficiency that you have to make up, something that you must complete. Know this and rejoice, God says. You are fully complete, perfect in Christ Jesus. Being one with Him, in union with Him, in His fullness, we are absolutely complete, perfect, finished. You understand that? Complete, complete in Him. This is the glory of faith. It looks to Christ alone for everything. We look for all grace only in Christ. Faith leaves works behind. It finds perfection in Christ, William Mason once wrote. And it works by love and good works, not to get perfection, but to glorify Christ in whom we are already perfect and complete. Faith does what faith does. Faith faith follows God. Faith seeks to honor God. Faith seeks, as I showed you this morning, to live in this world for the glory of God, not to get something from God, but because of what we are and have in Christ, ye are complete in Him. And that which is the glory of faith is the comfort of and the joy of faith. And that is this blessed completion in Christ. Now, let's spend a little time looking at this third word. Complete. Complete. What does that word mean? Complete. It's one of those, uh, one of those words that's commonly used. And words that we commonly use, we tend to just kind of pass over. We don't pay much attention to them. But this word is just It's bursting with meaning. It's bursting with meaning. As it's used here, it describes something about the children of God that's accomplished for us without our aid, without our assistance. 
It's a completion in which we are totally passive. Not a completion about which we are passive. A completion in which we're totally passive. We rejoice in this completion, but we make no part of the completion. We rejoice in the completion, but we have nothing to do with the accomplishment of the completion. What does this word mean? Complete. And I'll tell you again what I try to tell you often in the book. You read a statement like this, and our, our, we have been taught, we've been conditioned to think like this. Now, you can't carry that too far. You can't carry that too far. Carry it just as far as the sanctified imagination of faith can carry it. And then pick it up and carry it some more because you haven't come close yet. You will not overemphasize this word complete in your own mind with regard to yourself as a believer. You cannot stretch it too far. You cannot become somehow out of sync with Scripture by your understanding as you stretch your minds to understand the meaning of this word complete. What does it mean? The word means that we are full. As a matter of fact, let me give you some scriptures. Turn back to the book of John, John chapter 1. John chapter 1. Let me show you how this word is used in the book of God. John chapter 1, verse 14. Are you there? And the word was made flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. That's the word. How full is Jesus Christ of grace and truth? That's how complete we are in him. Read on verse 16. Of his fullness, of his completeness, have we received and grace for grace. We're told in 1 Corinthians 10, the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. What's he talking about? Everything in God's creation, that's God's possession. The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. Christ belongs to Bobby Estes and the fullness of Christ. <laughs> of his fullness have we received grace for grace. And all the fullness that he is, is ours. Listen to this. Turn, turn over to Ephesians 1. Let me show you this. Ephesians chapter 1. Paul's describing for us here uh, the God's wondrous works of grace for us and in us. And he comes to chapter 1 verse 22 and says, God has put all things under Christ's feet and gave him to be the head over all things to the church. Now watch this. Which is the fullness of him that filleth all in all. He says that we are the completeness of him who is the completeness of everything. The church, his body, the fullness, the completeness of him who is the fullness, the completeness of all things. So that Christ as our mediator is so really and truly one with us that he, the God-man mediator, our representative, our surety, our substitute, our great high priest, our head, cannot be complete if any of his are missing. <laughs> That's how real this union is. 
He is the fullness of all things, and we're the fullness of Him. Here in Colossians chapter 2, look at the verse right above our text, verse 9. For in Him dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. In Him, in Christ, resides all the completeness of the triune God. Ron, that's indescribably beyond my imagination. I can't imagine what all is stated there. This I know is stated. All that God is in His infinite, incomprehensible being, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, all that God is, Jesus Christ is. <laughs> in Him, in that man who lived as our representative, who died as our substitute, who sits in glory as our mediator, in Him dwelleth all the completeness, the fullness of the Godhead bodily. And then Paul says, and ye are complete in Him. You are full in Him. Complete, without limit, without condition, without qualification. Complete in Christ, without any kind of limit, we understand the word to mean. Whatever Christ is, we are. Whatever we are in Christ, we are completely. Whatever we have in Christ, we have completely. Whatever the Lord Jesus possesses, whatever he is, we possess and we are. In all matters regarding our spiritual warfare, in all matters regarding our soul salvation, in all matters regarding our acceptance with God, in all matters regarding our standing before God, in all matters regarding our being approved of God, we are right now complete in Him. Now in Paul's day, as in ours, there were some who thought that faith in Christ had to be supplemented. Such men then and now vainly imagine that faith is learned, not bestowed. That it's a matter of philosophical achievement, not a matter of divine revelation. While deceitfully professing to believe in the supernatural, while professing to teach salvation is of the Lord, their doctrine is nothing more than the cunning assertion that the new birth, faith in Christ, acceptance with God, is really achieved by argument, by reason, by logic, and by learning. These brilliant idiots actually teach that faith in Christ is a complex mystery, something that can only be attained by arriving at a superior level of knowledge, knowledge of which they are most humbly supreme in themselves. They mystify everything. With their beguiling words of wisdom, they do everything possible to beguile you, to beguile your Satan-beguiled Eve, and turn you from the simplicity that's in Christ. How often, how often men and women, beginning to have some concern about the things of God, <clears throat> start to look within themselves and wonder how 
they are to believe on Christ. Now, what, what do I have to bring with me? What do I have to produce? What, what do I have to experience? This is the blessed simplicity of faith. Brother Lindsay, last Sunday morning, doing that man born blind, the master said to him, Dost thou believe on the Son of God? Not, not how much do you believe? Not how clearly do you believe? Not how strong is your faith? Do you believe on the Son of God? Do you believe on the Son of God? Brother Don, it's not really that simple, is it? It's just that simple. Do you believe on the Son of God? This is precisely the context in which Paul makes this statement. Look at verse 6, Colossians 2. As you therefore have received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk ye in him. How did you first come to Christ? A naked, dirty, empty-handed, helpless, doomed, damned, lost sinner with no claim of God. With no right with God. With no merit before God. With, with nothing that God should look at and approve of. I came to him trusting Christ alone. So walk ye in him. Mark quit trying to pick up baggage. <laughs> quit, quit trying to, to find something in yourself to bring to God. Always walk with God. Bringing Christ and all of Christ and nothing but Christ. Look at verse 7. Rooted and built up in him. And established in the faith. Rooted in Him. Built up in Him. Established in this faith. Believing Him. As ye have been taught abounding therein with thanksgiving. Now watch verse 8. Beware lest any man spoil you through philosophy and vain deceit after the tradition of men, after the rudiments of the world, and not after Christ. For in him dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead bodily, and ye are complete in him. Nothing can ever be added to faith in Christ without making the thing added the object of faith. Nothing can ever be added to the gospel of Christ without making the thing added the gospel. There's nothing new in theology except that which is false. And those who seek to attempt and, and, and improve the gospel only deface it. It is so perfect in itself that all additions to it are the outgrowth of heresy. One of the greatest evils of this day is the attempt of men to rationalize the revelation of God. Brother Todd, a few weeks ago, asked me to uh, come over, what's several months ago now, asked me to come over and uh, speak to the young preachers on the need of studying systematic theology. And we need that. We need that. We need to understand theology. But you do not understand the Word of God by theology. You understand theology by the Word of God. 
there's a huge difference. We do not come and rationalize the Word of God, make it fit with our puny brains or some system that we have developed with our puny brains. We come to the Word of God to find God's revelation and bow to what God says. Many try to rationalize the Scripture and thereby obscure the simplicity of faith in Christ Jesus. But God's elect will not be beguiled from their steadfastness. We know whom we have believed. We trust Christ. Spurgeon told a story that illustrates it as well as I've ever read or heard about a man who was a, a tinker, like John Bunyan was, dealt with tin and housewares and such as that, mending them. And he was selling his goods, and one day he was walking down the street, and he heard uh, two ladies uh, walking down the street in front of him. They were uh, repeating a little song, a little chorus they'd heard and learned. I am a poor sinner, and nothing at all, but Jesus Christ is my all in all. And uh, he just couldn't shake it from his mind. He just couldn't shake it from his mind. And uh, after a while, he began to whistle the tune. And he began to repeat the words, I am a poor sinner, and nothing at all but Jesus Christ is all in all. And uh, soon he heard the gospel, believed the gospel of God's grace, and God wrote the words on his heart in the experience of grace. And he went to apply for church membership, as they were wont to do in Baptist churches a long time ago. You had to uh, go before the deacons and elders and be examined and see if you were fit to be a member of their church. So he went for examination, and the pastor and the elders and deacons asking him all kinds of questions, and he would answer, I am a poor sinner and nothing at all, but Jesus Christ is my all in all. And somebody asked him, but don't you ever have any low times? He said, I am a poor sinner and nothing at all. I can't get any lower than that. But what about, don't you have any mountaintop experiences? He said, Jesus Christ is my all in all. I can't get any higher than that. And finally, they admitted him into the church, and he faithful to his death. But from that day on, he was known as Happy Jack. I am a poor sinner and nothing at all, and Jesus Christ is my all in all. That's faith. Well, what about Calvinism and Arminianism? That's theology. And you can go to hell being a five-point Calvinist just as surely as if you were five-point Arminian. Faith in Christ is not a system of doctrine. Faith in Christ is trusting the Son of God. You are, with all your depravity, still in Him, and you're complete in Him. You have need of nothing but Him. In Him, we have at this moment, just in Him, been made entirely clean. In Him, we are at this moment, just in Him, made the objects of divine approval. In Him, only in Him, we are the objects of eternal love. Do you understand that? You are complete in Him. Feeble, forgetful, frail and fickle in myself, I'm complete in Him. I look here, and find nothing but emptiness, depravity, and sin. I look yonder and find everything. Ye are complete in him. 
Don't be so intent upon your corruptions as to forget your immaculate purity which he's made yours. Don't be so mindful of your poverty as to forget his infinite riches conferred on you. Don't be so absorbed in your emptiness that you forget his fullness, the fullness of Christ that's made your fullness of grace. Don't be so mindful of your natural imperfection as a fallen child of Adam that you fail to be mindful of Christ's perfection and mindful of the fact that that perfection is yours in him. God sees us in his son. Can you get that? God sees us in his son. And however God sees us, that's how we really are. I wrote an article for the bulletin this morning. Uh, Brother David Peterson called my attention to it as he was reading it. God never plays let's pretend. God never plays let's pretend. He didn't pretend to make Christ sin. He made him sin. And he doesn't pretend that we're righteous. He makes us righteous. He doesn't pretend to take away our sins. He took them away. He doesn't pretend that we are full in Christ. He's made us full in Christ. The Apostle Paul spends the book of Romans, the first chapters of Romans, telling us that we're justified and righteous and without sin before God in Jesus Christ the Lord. And then in chapter 6, after dealing with our baptism, he said, now you, you've been buried with Christ in baptism. You've risen to walk with him in the newness of life. Now, now, having said that, you, you profess to the world, Christ is mine and I am his. You confess to God's church, I died with Christ, I rose with Christ, I am saved by Christ. Paul says, now, likewise reckon ye also yourselves to be dead indeed unto sin, but alive unto God through Jesus Christ our Lord. He says, God reckons you holy. God reckons you righteous. God reckons you perfect. God reckons you as his son. Now, you reckon like God reckons. God's reckoning is right. What does this word complete mean? Secondly, it means fully supplied. Having Christ, we have all that we can possibly need all the time. Jacob said to his brother Esau, I have enough. Esau said to Jacob, I have enough. But Esau was saying, I've got plenty to do me. When Jacob said, I have enough, the word means I have all things. <laughs> I have Christ. Was there something else I needed? Do you believe on him, Mary Lou? You have Christ. Is, is there something else you need? Is there, is there something else you need? Having Christ... We have all things. All things are yours. For ye are Christ, and Christ is God's. Do you need righteousness? He is made of God unto us righteousness. Do you need acceptance with God? We are accepted in the beloved. Do you need justification? We're justified freely by His grace. Must we be holy as God Himself is holy? Christ is our holiness. Do we need forgiveness? It is written, there is forgiveness with thee that thou mayest be feared. Oh, but Brother Don, I need a clear conscience. The blood of Christ sprinkled on the heart by God the Holy Spirit 
makes the conscience clean. Brother Clay Curtis has been calling me the last couple of weeks discussing this matter of imputation. We think of it as a legal term and it's proper to do so. But uh, the righteousness of Christ is imputed to us. Not back when Christ made us righteous by his sacrifice. It's imputed to us consciously when we believe. It's imputed to us consciously when we believe. The imputation of righteousness doesn't make one righteous. You must be righteous for God to impute righteousness to you. It's imputed to us when we believe. In this sense, looking out of ourselves to Christ. When God the Holy Spirit gives the sinner faith in Christ, he sprinkles your conscience. And now, Alan, you're not guilty. You're not guilty. You're not guilty. And can't ever be guilty again. The blood of Christ sprinkled on the conscience makes the conscience clean. We have complete redemption accomplished by the Son of God. And it makes the believing sinner perfect as pertaining to the conscience. That's the language of Hebrews 9. nine. The works were finished from the foundation of the world. But when the blood of Christ is sprinkled, it proclaims in bold letters, Not guilty! No condemnation! Justified! Does God require perfection? Christ is our perfection. He presents us holy, unblameable, unreprovable, without spot or wrinkle or any such thing. That passage in Ephesians 5, Christ loved the church and gave himself for it that he might present it. Holy, unblameable, unreprovable, without spot, without wrinkle or any such thing. And soon... He's going to present us before the throne of His glory without blemish and without spot. Holy and unblameable. But that's going to happen in resurrection glory. Already now, He presents us to the Father through His precious blood and His perfect righteousness. Holy, unblameable, unreprovable, without spot, without wrinkle without anything like it. You are complete in Him. We have everything in Christ. All things. And that includes all grace. All grace. Pardoning grace. Regenerating grace. Restoring grace. Strengthening grace. Reviving grace. That grace of which our Savior speaks when He says, My grace is sufficient for you. In every position of danger or duty, Christ is our all-sufficient supply. In every conceivable or inconceivable trial, we find in Him all-sufficiency and all-sufficient grace. In Him dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead bodily, and ye are complete in Him. Now, I tried to preach from this text when I was 21, 22 years old. And I preached the same doctrine then. But I didn't know much about it. Because I hadn't experienced much yet. Now, after 47 years, 
I'm here to tell you, in peace and in trouble, in health and in sickness, in joy and in sorrow, in life and in death, in time and to eternity, His grace is sufficient. He's proved it so. To the blessed experience of my soul. His grace is sufficient. We might well sing with John Newton. Glorious things of thee are spoken. Zion city of our God. He whose word cannot be broken. Form thee for his own abode. On the rock of ages founded. What can shake thy sure repose. With salvation's walls surrounded, thou mayst smile on all thy foes. See the streams of living water springing from eternal love. Well supply thy sons and daughters, and all fear of want remove. Who can faint while such a river ever flows their thirst to assuage? Grace which, like the Lord the giver, never fails from age to age. Here's the third thing. This word complete means satisfied. Satisfied. Satisfaction. Oh, that's such a rare thing. Do you, know, do you know what it is to be satisfied? Satisfied. That's a rare thing. Not many people, not many people ever experience it. Satisfied. If you're satisfied... There's nothing you need and nothing you want. There's nothing lacking, nothing to be sought after, nothing to be worked for, uh, nothing to stay up at nights and plan to get, nothing to, nothing to, to reach after. You're satisfied. Satisfied. You who are in Christ are complete. In Christ. Satisfied. Oh, God step that on my soul every day. I have no lack. I'm satisfied. All my life long I had panted for a draft from some clear street, cool spring that I hoped would quench the burning of the thirst I felt within. Hallelujah. I have found him whom my soul so long had craved. Jesus satisfies my longings. Through his blood I now am saved. Satisfied. I'm satisfied with his righteousness. I'm satisfied with his atonement. I'm satisfied with his purpose. I'm satisfied with his providence. I'm satisfied with him. Ye are complete in him. This word complete means filled up. Filled up. <laughs> filled up with Christ. Your soul is filled up with him. Filled up with him. So that there's room for nothing but Him. Filled up with Him. Learning.
can't fill your soul. Emotional religious experiences can't fill your soul. Sound doctrine can't fill your soul. Oh, but Christ fills the soul. I'm not talking about an experience or a doctrine or a creed or a confession. I'm talking about a person. Christ fills up the soul. Ye are filled with him. That's what Paul had in mind, I think, when he said, the life which I now live, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. His name is El Shaddai, God all-sufficient. Now watch this. In him. In him. Ye are complete in him. Not in his church. Not in his ordinances. Not in his doctrines. Not in my feelings, not in my experiences, not in my works, not in my devotion, not even in my faith, but in Him. Everything is in Him. God's elect are in union with Christ, one with Him, in Him perfectly, in Him eternally. Let me read you something I got from Joseph Irons. He once said, I am as sure as I am of my own existence that whenever God the Holy Spirit awakens the poor sinner by his almighty grace and imparts spiritual life in his heart, nothing will ever satisfy that poor sinner but a believing assurance of eternal union with Christ. One with Christ. One with Christ. Really and truly one with Christ. So that all he is and all he has belongs to all who believe on the Son of God. In him dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. And ye are complete in him. Oh, God, will you give faith to lost, unbelieving, dead sinners that they may go home this hour rejoicing in Him who satisfies every need of the conscience, every demand of the law, every requirement of the Holy God, rejoicing complete in Christ. Will you Give us grace day by day and hour by hour to look out of ourselves to Christ the Lord, rejoicing that Christ is mine. And I am complete in Him. Amen.